This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Radio Network. I am Mike Casazza welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, the second half of this podcast is going to be awesome. <laughs> yes, it is, Mike. We're going to make some adjustments. We're going to get in the flow. We're going to get some repetitions here in the first half, and we're going to be ready to go in the second half. I promise. We kid because we cover the team and we ask questions that a lot of people are asking about. A big one, I think on Tuesday, had to do with just the state of the offense and the splits between the first half and the second half, how and why they can be so effective in the first half and in the second half falls off a cliff a little bit. Uh, we'll get into that because I think that's an important part of this matchup here. Because this does seem to me, Chris, like two teams that in their current state are in wildly different moods. And I wonder about a team coming all the way from Lubbock, Texas. Um, it's the first time these two have played here and it hasn't been a noon game. I would circle that. But still, coming all the way from Texas after getting smoked in your Big 12 opener also on the road against Texas. And then just the state of disrepair of their roster makes this extremely difficult. Good first half for West Virginia. This might be a game where they just have it in a, a similar situation where you have a 2-3 score lead and you just kind of you cover the break until the finish line. And this is fascinating to me because, again, these teams, I think, are in very different states of mind. You want to see a team score a lot against a defense that gave up a ton of points have no idea if you can do that, and you wonder if West Virginia wants to answer the question to the criticism and boat race the team in the second half, and that's not what they do, and game control is, and what happens if they win this game, I don't know, 27-13? That'd be a great thing. I don't think style points are what West Virginia needs, but maybe that's not true anymore because they probably opened some eyes Saturday night in Norman. Yeah, I mean, I think you're – this is a defensive team, and that's the identity it has. That's the identity That's the identity the coaching staff wants. It's the identity that Neil Brown wants. He's been very open about it. And so I think 27-13, they'll gladly take it, move on, uh, even if it's, it's not pretty with a bunch of scoring. I guess they're still trying to figure that out as they go. But it's, it's, it's kind of strange because, you know, Texas Tech is 3-1. and one. Uh, started off the year three and oh, looking good. West Virginia two and two, kind of having the same issues, a little grumbling from the fan base, questions about quarterback. And I don't think there is anyone in this conference or any fan base anywhere that would choose to be in in Texas Tech's shoes rather than West Virginia's shoes right now. Because Texas Tech at that 70 to 35. Uh, whooping from Texas, and it, it was ugly the entire time. Injuries all over the place. Uh, coach on the hot seat. Uh, it, there, there's some bad things happening in Lubbock right now, and, and West Virginia could make them a lot worse on Saturday. Let's uh, read a quote from, I think we can call him capital E embattled Matt Wells. Is that fair? Yes. I think the overall mood has changed. You've got some guys that are hurt. You've got some guys that are embarrassed. You've got some guys that are anxious to get back on the practice field and improve and get better. That is not win one for the Gipper. But real quick, did you notice my hesitation when you said capital E embattled Matt Wells? Because yeah. I, I was thinking of uh, West Virginia's Matt Wells, and I was like, wait, why is – What's wrong with Matt? What is, is things going wrong with with Matt Wells, who's uh, for those who don't know, executive AD for external affairs, affairs handles a lot of ticketing stuff. And so I was a little confused there for a second, Mike. But yeah, go on. Sorry. Um, Matt will be very happy he's in the podcast finally. <laughs> Hello, Matt. I told you we get you in. Uh, no, the tech coach, Matt Wells. Um, things aren't going great there for him, his team. 
listen, 70 is a huge number. Uh, once you see that seven, things are, um, well, I don't know, you could turn into a, a power in the ECC if you're not careful, but 70 to 35 against Texas is not very good when Texas had some issues. I think people thought uh, maybe sorted them out, but here's here's the problem now for Texas Tech is that, again, back-to-back row games to start the season. That's just the fourth time that's happened since they've been in the Big 12, 02, 04, and 14. So typically teams get one of their first two at home. These are back-to-back on the road. And while Lubbock to Austin isn't a terrible road trip, there's no longer road trip than Lubbock to Morgantown. That's just difficult. Um, again, 3.30 start. I think that's important. It gives them a few hours. They've always been noon here in Morgantown. But, man, they are not coming with guns up, so to speak, or all their bullets in the – in the chamber, they're going to be without Tyler Shook, the Oregon transfer quarterback. Their starting safety, Marquise Waters, is going to have season-ending surgery. He's out. Taj Brooks, who was leading the team in rushing while Sir Roderick Thompson was out the first two games. Uh, Thompson came back against Texas. Brooks missed the Texas game and is reportedly not expected to play. And that's like an eight-yard-a-carry guy over 35 carries. So he does it in big chunks. And then starting cornerback Demarcus Fields, who excellent in coverage. I think I went over the numbers with him, Chris. Um, it's hard to complete passes against him. I think opponents are 14 to 24 against him. He's played the most snaps. Uh, he bumped into a defensive back and is probably not going to play. He's questionable right now. Top graded player in their team, according to PFF, and, and by you know a few points too. Quarterback, running back, safety, cornerback. Um, Boy, if you're playing West Virginia, um, that defense is tough. He's sure like to be fully armed at quarterback and running back. If you're playing West Virginia, man, the strength of their offense is probably their receivers now. Is that accurate? And to go in without a corner and a safety, that's not fun either because I think West Virginia hopes and thinks that the passing game is going to open up soon. And here comes the wide embrace of a Texas Tech defense that one wasn't very good last week and two is missing two top secondary players. This this might be a bad thing for Texas Tech. It might be a good thing for West Virginia. Yeah, we talk about or I talk a lot about the get right game, the get right game, the get right matchup. And this is this could be it for West Virginia. You know, they they're obviously struggling on offense. I think a lot of people are concerned about what's going on there. Looking for uh, more consistency, really. You know, th- they've had a few big plays. They've had a good drive, a good quarter, um, maybe even a good half, kind of depending on where you look. But uh, you're not finding consistency. And West Virginia is going to be facing a team that just gave up 70 points and lost two of their best players. So it, it could be a matchup where West Virginia could just try to get you know, that offense in the right headspace. Sometimes it's just about getting a few plays, getting a few passes, making a few completions, getting a few points, and it can set you on the right track for at least the next couple of weeks. And and I'm I'm sure that's what Neil Brown is hoping coming into this game. Let's get into first half, second half offense. Are you ready? Let's do it. Uh, West Virginia touchdowns, opening drive, four straight games. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, first quarter scoring splits, 56-31. And, again, they played three FBS opponents, three Power 5 opponents. So that 31 isn't a great number. Um, but, hey, 56 points in the first quarter and 21, I know, are against LIU. But still, take that away. Four touchdowns to start games. 35 points, five touchdowns in the three first quarters. That's good. Second quarter is excellent work. 37 to 3. They scored 37. They've gotten three on the other end. So plus 34 scoring margin in the second quarter and plus 25 in the first quarter. So they're really good in the first half this year. And I bring this up because, one, it's a talking point now. It's a capital T thing. Um, But also, Texas Tech, are you ready for their first half? Uh, I'm ready. All right. 42 to 14 in the first quarter, they're being outscored. Wow. Some damage done last week, for sure. But that 14 is a big number. Yeah, how do they only have 14 points, especially with a couple of the teams that they've played so far? Yes, well, they went to the wire with Stephen F. Austin. They fell behind Texas or Houston 14-0, and they got destroyed last week. So, um, yeah, that's an issue, I think, there. So the impetus is definitely going to be on West Virginia to again get off to a good start and then to hold it because the second half is where things get really interesting for West Virginia. Um, 27-10 in the third quarter. 10 to 23 in the fourth quarter. And as we mentioned, just one field goal in the second half against 
all of these teams here, Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma, 3-3-3, three, three, and three, nine points total against FBS opponents. Um, that came up in the press conference as, as promised, as advertised, as predicted, whatever you want to call it. It had to come up, and it did. Um, and Brown gave it a, I don't know, an interesting explanation I think was, was valiant, logical, I would not say defiant, but also realistic, too. What did you think of his response there? I think it was good. I don't. I, I'm with you here. I don't think he, you know, tried to dodge. He def, He definitely did not try to dodge the question. He he seemed to know it's coming. This is a question. He knew. He knew it was a capital T talking point, and he was prepared for your question during the press conference. And I think you're right about that. Hey, was it defiant? I don't know. He he. I, using the word excuse always makes it sound so negative. But his excuse for the Oklahoma game was that it was only just a, a couple drives. And the couple drives that they did have, they actually did move the ball. They just didn't finish. They didn't get enough more drives. And, and a couple miscues kind of screwed things up. And he's right. It was just a couple bad plays that really screwed things up. But when it's, every, when it's every, almost every week, just a couple plays that mess things up, something needs to be looked at. In, I think I don't know how you fix it. You know, he stuck up for Zach Frazier. He's right. There's no way to quote fix uh, timing on a missed snap. Uh, you got to fix things with like the procedure penalties. Uh, there's been some really brutal calls, uh, not bad calls, brutal as in brutal for West Virginia calls against the offensive line that they need to get cleared up that have clean, really caused some issues in the second half on some drives. Mm-hmm. But I don't hate his answer, and I, you're right. I don't think it was defiant, but he's seen, he he was prepared. I can tell you that. By the way, I'm looking, huh, I'm looking at their numbers here. They only have one offensive touchdown in the first quarter, Texas Tech. So it's 42 to seven. They have a defensive touchdown in the first quarter. Huh. So that's deceiving. I enjoyed the answer because, again, I think he was ready for it, too. I don't know if he listens, if he's a subscriber, whatever, if people feed him information or if he's just aware of what people are talking about. I think it'd be hard to coach this team right now and not notice the splits. How can you be so good in the first quarter, so effective at bridging the first quarter to the second quarter? What I mean by that is you have your script and by and large, you exercise that script. Then you get into the second quarter and say, all right, what worked, what didn't? Let's jettison some plays. Let's continue some others. And they're good in the second quarter, especially defensively. What happens in the third and fourth quarter? And I don't know. I, I get his explanation against Oklahoma. What I thought to be most interesting was saying that, hey, I should probably have more plays in the bag so we can have some fresh content in the third and fourth quarter. And we should probably have more ways to disguise our good plays that we use in the first and second quarter into the third and fourth quarter. And I know people don't really get the whole answer because the defense of the Oklahoma game was most of his response. But those two lines at the end about, hey, bring more plays into the game and bring more uh, sheep's clothing for the wolf, so to speak, right? Let's disguise our stuff so we're more effective. I thought those are pretty good points. Can they do that, though? Do they have to do that? That's something to watch. I mean, you may not even recognize it, but I think those are good points. Do you think that those are valid explanations or are those things that frustrate people because armchair quarterbacks can say, yeah, those are good ideas. Why aren't they already in action? I like this. My first response is you don't seem to find this issue with other teams, or at least other teams that have good offenses or good quarterbacks, however you want to say it, because it it seems that once you get outside of the scripted plays that, and, and, and we say scripted plays, it's a set of plays that they've already done. They practice, they've uh, repped a thousand times during practice that week. And then they don't just like go out there and play background football after that, backyard football after that. They, they're running plays that they've run before, plays that they know. It's just not ones that they rep all the time or have specifically schemed to beat the defense that you're playing, which concerns me that you have to go through so much work just to kind of get one touchdown on one drive. So it makes me wonder, why does it have to be that way? Why do you have to script and run the same plays just to get one or two good drives. And then the second part of me says, I love the idea of running those same plays that are working and doing them in different ways. The the wolf in sheep's clothing that you were talking about, getting these guys, um, doing it with more motion. We talked about that in the, after the Oklahoma game, different formations, but the same plays. So anything that can make your offense comfortable 
to get them to replicate the success that they had on that first drive. One more for you, then we'll move on. Um, you have the Garrett Green plays, which comes with Garrett Green formations and Garrett Green gimmicks. We mentioned that that kind of a jet-ish action with Reese Smith. Um, they lined up Winston right in the backfield, brought him in motion and lined him up in the backfield. Certainly those are things that are meant to get the defense to think a little bit. And I would say um, read and react as opposed to just play. Like you really have to think when Green is out there. It's very simple stuff. It's it's the throw to Winston Wright's a very simple throw. A handoff to Letty Brown is going to give Letty Brown creases. So there are certain things in there with Green that are designed to you know facilitate Green for success. Throws he can make or hitting guys in the run so like a Winston Wright gets to the ball in an advantageous situation. Winston Wright in the run, pretty dangerous. Uh, and you can do stuff off of that too with, with uh, you know, Reece Smith. Personnel works there with the plays. If that can help Brown and Wright because of Daigie, could you put, excuse me, because of Green, could you put Daigie in those situations and have him run those plays? Again, that's not an exotic throw. Rolling out, like a short rollout and hitting Winston Wright in the run, that might work. And then again, a formation that has Letty Brown and then let's say Reese Smith or Winston Wright motioning from behind it, that's designed to get Letty Brown a gap. Why can't Jared Daigie hand off and let Letty Brown hit that gap? It's not necessarily, it's not all Garrett Green that makes that work. It's the other player in the backfield. It's the motion. It's what's Letty Brown going to do? What's this guy in motion going to do? You don't have the third advantage of Garrett Green, but might that be a situation where you just plug in number two to run the number six plays? It doesn't have the legs. I get that. But I feel like that's a way to keep the defense a little bit goofed up, too. Not the same threat. I get it. But it's not all about the quarterback there. It's a way to get a right or a Smith or a Sam James or a Letty Brown or a Justin Johnson or whomever. It's a way to help the offense because of the formation and the possibilities it presents. Does that make sense as a way to move forward with Daigie perhaps helping it? It is, because I'm with you that I think some of those plays that you saw Green run, they weren't exactly exotic. They weren't something that, you know, Daigie is incapable of doing. In fact, a couple of them we've seen him do before. A couple of those plays specifically where he kind of rolls out and hits that short flat, uh, moves the pocket with him. We've seen him do it. It's not, yeah, the tight end. Yeah, exactly. With the tight end instead of a Winston Wright usually, but it's something we've seen him do. So it's not like it's something he hasn't practiced or is incapable of doing. So I do think that is possible. It could help. Um, the the only one I'd be concerned about is does it, will the motion alone give Letty Brown, the, the pre-snap motion alone, give Letty Brown those gaps that, that he got with Green at quarterback? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. But I do think at least half of what Garrett Green is being put in to do, Daigie can still do. I mean, and vice versa too, but it, to your point of there are a couple of plays where you don't have to take Green or take Daigie out and put Green in. Start well, take the momentum at halftime. Again, 48 to 14 opponents over Texas Tech in the first quarter. Texas Tech comes back 49 to 42 in the second and your second half splits. Are you ready? 54 28 in the third, 38 16 in the fourth. They score a lot of points once they get going. Now, it might be hard to get going against West Virginia's defense if the offense plays, you know, ball control, four corners, whatever, if, if Neil Brown continues to be Dean Smith. I'm not sure that holds up. We'll see because, again, 54 and 38 in those two quarters. Some of that's because they trailed, but again, 3 and 0, and we're in competitive games in those, those other games, too. It's not like they had to win shootouts. Their defense actually played pretty well, but, um, well, that's not the flavor of the week coming in. Let's talk about Tech's defense. What the heck happened in Austin? Uh, they forgot how to tackle. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make things as simple as that, but it might be just as simple as that. Um, I, I caught some of the game I, after the fact. I, I went back and watched a little bit of it. It wasn't too much to watch. and it, But at first glance, at first glance, it seemed like guys were in position where they're supposed to be and just couldn't make stops, couldn't make plays one-on-one, couldn't get tackles. And, and, and you touched on that with your story earlier this week. And we found out it might've been even worse than what we thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like surprisingly. Um, yeah. Like, actually, yeah, they missed more tackles upon review. 
Right. I was going to say that that was the thing we found out this week that, you know, some of these some of these stats, they get reviewed and, and double checked by multiple scouts for PFF. And at the time, it was 26 missed tackles for Texas Tech. Now it's up to 31, 31 missed tackles in a game, Mike. Like, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that number. That's, um, I mean, how many snaps, too? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me go back and look. I was going to say, give me a second. I'll look it up. I mean, 31 missed, missed, uh, Missed tackles in however many snaps. Uh, 77. No, wait a minute. No, uh, 75. Yeah. Oof. It's it's not often a team gives up 300 yards passing and 300 yards rushing in a game. No. Like that's that's a unique blend here, too. Uh, here's a stat about the Tech defense that I think says something, but I'm trying to figure out what it is. And again, their scores aren't crazy. They beat Houston 38-21. They trailed 14-0. They beat Stephen F. Austin 28-22. They beat FIU 54-21. Um, that was 35-14 to at the half. I think they got closer. FIU scored to start the third quarter. Uh, last week was was just kind of absurd. I think that was at 1.14-7, then that went haywire toward uh, Texas. But um, fourth down conversions, opponents are at 13 for 17 on fourth down against Texas Tech's defense. No one has tried more um, or converted more than Texas Tech opponents on fourth down. I'm pretty sure this is like we talk about Canadian rules football, try to get your first down on second down sometimes. <laughs> I think Neil Brown might be using all four down to us if he has to. Field position is one thing, too, but this just seems like a defense that does not get off the field, um, even when it has a chance to get off the field, too. Does 13 out of 17 say anything apart from the obvious to you? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast no not really i i think maybe it's some of it's just yeah guys trying the other teams trying to compete you're trying to know they have to score usually when you think Texas tech you got to score but it's something that um it's something of note and related West Virginia is one of the teams that goes for it the most so far. And I have been very happy with, I'm trying to, I mean, I, there's probably, maybe there's one or two that I don't disagree with, but I feel like almost all of them, I'm like, yeah, that was the right call. And, and I, I bet if you check the, you know, advanced statistics, it was the right call to go for it. And West Virginia has been pretty darn successful, you know, seven of nine right now through four games. That's one of the top attempts in the country, one of the top conversions in the country, one of the top conversion rates in the country. And so that that's a positive sign for West Virginia, especially if they do need to end up scoring more points. Um, had a miss against actually both their misses were backups in LIU, right? Uh, let's see. Yeah, both I was both of them came at LIU. I can't remember. I guess they were probably backups. I'm trying to think of why the offense would have gone for it on fourth down with the starters, but okay, seven for seven against FBS competition is pretty good. And again. What we mentioned last week, they had to choose our lane pretty quickly against Oklahoma. Is this going to be a defensive game, or are we going to have to outscore them? That first drive, um, went for it on fourth down, got it. looked like it was going to work, too. Uh, big change for Texas Tech is the quarterback, who is the same quarterback who started against West Virginia last year. He did not start the first three games this year. Say hello again to Henry Columbia. Um, he is and is not who we thought he was. This is a guy who played pretty under control last game. First career start. I don't think they knew exactly what they had with him, even though – he played for Matt Wells at Utah State, but this is different, obviously. 
they kept the reins on him, but he did well when he got outside of the designs. And then, you know, in, in, in an unusual situation last week, he put up pretty good numbers. And it looks like from, if you bookend his first game against West Virginia and his most recent game against Texas, he's kind of evolved as a player as to what he can do and what they let him do. I'm, I'm not sure where he ranks in the quarterback chart here. I don't think he's going to be better than the guy last week. But um, then again, they can't really can't really beg for the backup here because he is the backup. But probably somewhere between Tagovailoa and Burmeister, I would say like a, a Burmeister with training wheels. Seems like he's going to be a little bit more toward the program, but he can certainly do some things outside the pocket too. Yeah, I like that comparison because that was, that was the game where I tried to – eloquently explain my short prevent defense and that might be what you need to do against Columbia too. Uh, you're right in that the fact that uh, last week's game was drastically different than than how he performed against West Virginia or his style at least but I think the the game was also different so I think he was a little more desperate against Texas obviously they were um, I think it was 35 to 7 at one point so he was just ready to sling it around um, against West Virginia last year four throws over 10 yards. Now, when we usually talk about a deep ball on this podcast, we are talking 20 plus yards in the air, 20 plus yards. I'm when I'm talking about Columbia right here, four of 10 plus yards last year. He didn't even bother. Like, and, and, and here's the thing you can't sleep on it because I believe he was three of four on those four passes for like a hundred yards. So you can't just ignore it completely but it's just not a part of his game usually. And against West Virginia last year, he just kind of hung back, picked things apart. And you, he said the Burbeister with training wheels, Spencer Rattler with uh, a homeless man, Spencer Rattler with training wheels too, I guess. Just you can't, you, you kind of have to take the same approach to him of get pressure with four, don't blitz because West Virginia blitzed him last year and he did very well. And he's done very well this year. He, he has an 82.9 offensive grade when, when he's blitzed, which is absurd. That I mean, I think that's as high as Spencer Rattler's number was. And last year against West Virginia, he, he ended up scrambling five times for 46 yards and really just killed West Virginia with some big runs and first downs. I believe four of those five ended up for first downs, too. Counterpoint. No, you're not allowed to do that. 40. 69 and 75 yard touch pass, touchdown passes last week where he just went over the top. They had to rally. I get that. But is he a guy that shoots the moon or is he a guy that is just going to take what you give him now? That that short prevent, that's interesting. I think it's a good a good plan here. Make him work and also keep him in front of you where if he does scramble a little bit, just go tackle him. You know, keep your eyes in the right spot and do what you have to do. But when they got hurt against um, a little bit against Burmeister, but also against Rattler in key spots and against Tago Bailoa in Maryland, they kind of got caught in between one or the other. You know, do I go get this guy or do I play the defense? And those are hard spots. That's what the quarterback does. He gets outside, he puts you in conflict. He's reading you in relation to the person who's running behind you or the person you might have to guard if not, you know, if you're not going to go after the quarterback. But there's no universal defense here. But I think that's where he tries to hurt you is to get outside and do stuff. But perhaps he's evolved so much where he can throw three 40-plus-yard touchdown passes too. Um, nobody has more 40-yard plays. Nobody has more 50-yard plays in the country than Texas Tech so far this year. Either the country in both. Um, and it's fast plays, too. They, they have had some big runs. But, man, they have these big, tall, fast receivers, too. Everywhere you look is a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", playing receiver. Um, Don't you feel I like that's every year with them, right? Sorry <laughs> to interrupt. Like, no. I feel like they always have, like, a 6'4 guy that just, yeah, yeah, that, that guy down there, throw to him. He's big. If, um, right side, too. They got um, Ezkumana, the receiver on the right side. Mm -hmm. But, man, Columbia – Last year, this year, he goes to the right a bunch. Maybe that's one reason why, but perhaps they tilt their defense a little bit that way to make sure he doesn't beat them on the left. But, again, three for four last week on big throws, three touchdowns, got over the top of a good Texas defense. I shouldn't say good, an athletic Texas defense that can run and cover. Um, I just don't know about this game. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I see a team that came back against Houston. I don't know what happened against Stephen F. Austin, except that I, I just don't have the book on Stephen F. Austin this year. Um, FIU blew them off the field once they got going, and then just they were never in this game Saturday. And I'm not sure it was because a new quarterback for Texas, if it was just the the perfect intersection of bad luck, good luck, bad timing, good timing. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't know if you chalk that one up to one of those days and you throw it away. Again, you lose your quarterback, you don't have a running back, you lose your safety early in the game. I think we said what Waters played ten snaps. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might just not have been their day too. I don't know what the tact is here. Do you just treat it like you always do? Or do you do you scheme things toward that? We'll see. Um, we do know their defensive coordinator though, Keith Patterson. Um, it's a little different though. He's he's known to be aggressive in the past and do things. You know, he likes to pressure, send guys from different angles to close windows. They play a lot of zone now. Um, they're pretty good on third down defense, I think. Um, actually, no, they're in the 70s on third down defense, but that's when they go to man. They, they seem to play man and send their pressure on third down, giving up about 39% conversion percentage, but they play man and keep stuff from, excuse me, play zone and keep stuff in front of them. Again, when we talk about West Virginia, is this good or bad? It's going to be hard to go deep against them. I think the temptation will be there because of the corner and the safety missing, but just their scheme in general is to play um, kind of a contain and to have, you know, they'll, they'll drop seven, eight a lot. And if you have seven or eight pairs of eyeballs in the ball, you're going to run and make the tackle. Trouble is they haven't tackled very much um, lately. Uh, 31 missed tackles is an extraordinary number there too. So that might be good too, because West Virginia is adamant about let's, let's shake a defender and break a tackle. Keep coming back to this. This just might be a, a good day for West Virginia to feel good about West Virginia. Yeah. You, you look at the big pass plays and, or the big, scrimmage plays uh texas tech and they they give up a lot but the ball's not traveling in the air a lot and it's because of those missed tackles like it's it's short to medium routes that teams are hitting and then texas tech just can't tackle them they're not giving it up over the top they're giving up in the middle and then just can't keep guys in front of them and it's it's again i can't that come back to that 31 missed tackles number i can't even yeah it doesn't even make sense to me um, and it that was 31 missed tackles, and it was 15 different players in that game missed a tackle. 15 guys missed a tackle in that game, um, at least one. I mean, one guy had six, but goodness gracious, like that that that's you can't have that. And you go back and you look at some of these other games that, that guys have played against Texas Tech, and they're getting long plays, but not again, like I said, not throwing it long. So this this missed tackle thing seems to be an issue or at least angles they take or maybe it's the the zone defense when you play that zone it's a softer zone and you give the guys a little more run to to get that extra yardage yep um six missed tackles by the way reggie pearson playing free safety for them that's not the guy you want missing six tackles right there in the middle and that's it hey watch watch the slants those quick slants in the middle with reggie pearson back there as the last line of defense six missed tackles and he's your last guy Otherwise, too, it would be Colin Schooler, where he's the middle linebacker. He missed four. He's had a, an iffy season this year, too. Um, a lot of tackles, active leader in tackles, over 400 tackles in his career. But if they play zone, you're going to have a hard time with those slants because Oklahoma's playing man. And you saw Letty Brown go out into the flat. Once that middle linebacker cleared, it's when Daigie was throwing it. So those might not be there. But again, it's we'll, we'll see here. Um, by the way, going back to the receivers for Texas Tech, um, it is impressive and it seems like an annual thing. If I can get to that on my roster here um there we go uh, all right ez kumana is six three loich fujani six four um let me go through them because i'm not gonna have a good time with their names six seven six four six four six four trey cleveland watch him big big time playmaker outside made a big play last week finally got healthy in there uh six five six four and then their tight end i believe is six seven Six four, six five, and six, six seven. And they got a six nine backup tight end, according yeah, to this step chart. <laughs> so they just have guys, and it'll be interesting what they do with those guys once they get into the red zone too, because um, West Virginia's defense pretty frisky in the red zone. But I think when you look at red zone, expand your catch radius a little bit. We saw that with uh, Stogner for Oklahoma six six. I don't think Daryl Porter could have done a whole lot better. He came over, he played his defense fine, but um, open by birth, so to speak. Stogner six yeah. five, six six, so he can do that. Um, We'll see. And then something else to think about in the red zone, too. Watch out if they use the second quarterback. I don't know if they will, but Donovan Smith, 6'5", 230, redshirt freshman. He played at Bishop Gorman for a little bit. I believe he overlapped with Brandon Yates because Yates wasn't there very long either. Um, And Smith left, so they might have been teammates for a year. Um, He is DeAndre Smith's son. DeAndre Smith is a running backs coach, good player at Tech. Um, I wonder if you do something different when you get down in the red zone against West Virginia. They've been it's been tough to run against them once you get inside the 20, inside the 10. And if they're missing a running back and if Thompson isn't back to his normal self, we saw Columbia run in against them last year. Smith is kind of a dual threat guy and, and big too. I wonder if they gadget up something there too, because 
you got to find a way to beat West Virginia's defense now. They played really well. Their defensive line is good. Um, that seems to be something to keep an eye on there, too. Uh, going to back to Tech's offense for a second here, another annual thing. Probably don't talk about their offensive line enough. Probably big every year, too. It just seems like a kind of a whether it's the size of the players or the name of the players, it's like the same every year. Like they had Jack Anderson there forever. I feel like their center has been there for five or six years now, but they're always tall and always strong and, and kind of a nasty group that does seem to run the ball at times well against West Virginia. Everybody is a veteran, basically, except for the right tackle. Um, they have over 100 starts between the five of them. Uh, Deaton, the center's got 28. Left guard, right has 22. Um, Berger's got 14 at right guard. Uh, Stormont, the guy at left tackle, uh, he's a transfer, so you're not going to see him listed as a, a big starter there, but he was a starter at TCU before this and a starter at Colorado State before that. Uh, he, so he's got about 20 starts under his belt as well. Really the only quote-unquote young guy is Caleb Rogers at right tackle, who is a uh, um, sophomore and started three games last year too. So he's not exactly new to it. But yeah, big veteran offensive line, everybody over 300 pounds, everybody – Six four or taller. Uh, it's a big, experienced offensive line. Does that work against West Virginia's defensive line? Because those guys are big too, but they're also quick. I feel like, man, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to get those guys leaning to get around them. Granted, the, yeah. the length is a thing, but still, good luck getting Mesidor <laughs> if you're leaning <laughs> the wrong way. That's what I was thinking too. I I, I don't know if uh, you really want to be six five and three hundred and. 20 pounds 340 pounds you might be better off being like 270 and able to move your feet a little more they have some interesting stories too um different players who've transferred from different levels on their offensive line it's just kind of fun to see how that stuff actually works um let me see if i can find all their players here one guy came from wofford that would be burger uh they have a 611 player who is from where'd he go now come on good audio here 611 who came from, actually, he's a high school player. Uh, TCU, you mentioned Stormont. They brought a player from Mary Harden-Baylor, if I think I have that right, who's 6'4", 350. Um, here's a guy from Coffeeville who's 6'6", 310. I think they have a type, Chris, and it doesn't matter where you played. If you have some eligibility left, come in, and like they'll groom you to be this because they seem like they want big, long, nasty offensive linemen. And that'd be a fun one to watch, too, because, again, Thompson's a good running back. Their backup, who'd been starting, um, Again, was an explosive player at over eight yards a carry with a lot of carries, too. And they're going to want to run the ball. I don't think you want to put the ball in Columbia's hand there uh, and make it work. Um, what other ones should we hit on here before we go to the inevitable special teams talk? Uh, well, I would going to go back to West Virginia's offense a little bit. Something okay. that, again, it, it all seems to be kind of intertwined here. After the uh, game against Oklahoma, I brought up the fact that the official box score and the play-by-play, they, they mentioned – you know, run left, run center, run right. It, it, I don't know how specific that gets, um, but it had zero runs to the left. According to Pro Football Focus, there were two runs to the left, just to the left of the guard. And West Virginia's two runs to the left, zero yards <laughs> for a total of zero yards. And you know what makes it worse? Lenny worse? Brown had worse. Two carries for zero yards with Four yards after contact. Uh, Try to do the math in your head here. So I'm telling you two two carries that went a total of zero yards, and Letty Brown had four yards after contact on those two carries. Um, he's getting hit multiple yards in the backfield on these carries. Like that's not, and no wonder they stopped running to the left hand side. Um, and that's been the case kind of all year. Uh, West Virginia is averaging on the season. Um, uh, 3.7 yards per carry to the outside shoulder of the left guard. You add it in, you know, left shoulder of the center, it's up to 4.3. But if you go to the right shoulder of the center and over, it's up to 5.1 for Letty Brown this year. Like that's just, and they're running more that way. So that that's Letty Brown's preferred side. That's West Virginia's preferred side. It's getting better blocking over there and that's where it's going. Problem is Texas Tech's weak side is West Virginia's left side. Um, Texas ran 25 times for 200 yards when running to the left against Texas Tech. That's eight yards per carry. Um, they didn't exactly get stopped going to the right, but to the right was about a little less than five yards per carry, and to the left was eight. Like West Virginia has to find a way to 
one, run to the left. Like you have to exploit other teams' weaknesses, but also you can't be so predictable. You cannot be this predictable that it's if they run the ball, it's going center, which again is a large portion of the runs right up the middle, right off left or right shoulder of the center, or to the right. It's just not going to the left, period. And that was the case against Oklahoma. And it really cannot be the case against Texas Tech, given the fact that they are so weak defending the run to that side. They have had six defensive linemen play all four games. Right? Mm -hmm. How many have a PFF tackle score above 51? Well, given the fact that they had 15 players missed tackles last game, I'm going to say not very many. None. Not None. one of their six defensive linemen who played in every game have a tackle grade above 51. Uh, 28.5. Not good. Uh, actually, I lied. Tony Bradford, 64.45, have between 28.5 and 51.0. And that includes Jalen Hutchings, who is a big-time talent in the middle. He's got a 28.5 tackle grade. It's hard sometimes in the middle. Things are on you fast. But, man, if you get a hold of Lady Brown, you got to take him down because if he starts running at your linebackers and safeties, he's going he's gonna to start licking his chops and – uh, your safeties and linebackers aren't going to be very happy that you can't get him on the ground when you have a chance to. Um, have you checked out the who's left in their secondary? Uh, the backups? No. Um, Who do you got some, for me? Some high percentages for players, too, who, again, are going to have to play more. Uh, Aiden Fry had been a good safety before, good corner before, 75% completion percentage against him. That's one guy to look at, too. Uh, DeMarcus Fields mentioned he was he's out 14 for 24 against him. Uh, Waters, 8 for 12 against him. So they're good defensive players are out, uh, and they're putting in some players in the different positions who um, you know, have given up plays when they've been in the game, too. I think that's one to watch. Again, I don't, I don't know what West Virginia will do there. Do you take a chance at a backup corner who maybe actually was a safety before? Um, do you just play your game and see if they can run and make tackles? Very interesting to see what their tactics are. First quarter, second quarter, first half, second half, we'll see there, too. Um, I, just, I just feel like there's a way to make this a good day for West Virginia. And uh, our little history lesson, Chris. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of Big 12 games now in Neil Brown's pocket. Let's see. 18, is that right? Mm -hmm. How many times has he been favored in those games? Was it four or five? In Big 12 games? Yeah. I thought it was three. Well, this is four. You're right. Yeah. This is four. And... Only once by more than the seven points. And I think you always put an asterisk next to the time that Kansas is involved, too. So uh, in the 16 games that have not involved Kansas, this will be the highest points by he's a favorite. Yeah, it is. I was going to say, looking back in 2019, West Virginia was only favored twice all year long. JMU by seven, Kansas by four and a half. Um the following year, they got favored a few more times, but what was it? Only three times in Big 12 play. Was it uh, three? Let's see. Kansas, Kansas State, and TCU. Oh. TCU by three, Kansas State by five, Kansas by 20 and a half. So, yeah, this is – you take out that Kansas game, and this is, by a couple points, the largest point spread for West Virginia. Uh, let's see. Eastern Kentucky was uh, 43 Kansas, 20 and a half. And then you got right there a third, JMU, and this Texas Tech game at seven. So that's what the four is. This is the fourth biggest point spread in West Virginia's favor under Brown. Yeah. Wow. So let me, let me close on this before we get to our talking point. Um, West Virginia coming off a loss feels pretty good about itself, I think. Doesn't like the fact that it lost. Thinks it should have won. Thinks it'll see Oklahoma again in the big 12 title game or it'll be there and see somebody else we'll see i'll let the attitude that's fine um conversely texas tech second road trip longest road trip 70 points defense offense missing key players again two different directions how much does that matter come 3 30 saturday a lot i would think i mean sure. it, it, it's kind of sudden and it's on the road in what should be a pretty good environment I mean, I know that maybe there's a little less enthusiasm with a two and two start and it's not, you know, Virginia Tech, for instance, but it's homecoming. There's going to be a good environment. It's on the road. First start for a couple of these guys. Um, it, it could play a big factor for in, in favor of West Virginia. And finally, not predicted of the outcome, but we talk Saturday after the game. 
someone, something that has influenced the outcome in one direction or the other. What do you think? It's got to be, I, I mean, doesn't have to be, but I think it's Letty Brown. He needs to have a game. He has to have a game. Um, I know he's, he's scored a handful of uh, touchdowns, but I don't want to say they were cheap touchdowns because he worked for them. He really worked for a couple of those. And, but his, his yards after contact is way down. His elusiveness is way down. This is, this is, again, we keep talking about, I keep talking about the get right game. This is a get right game. He needs to break tackles and there's no better team on the schedule for him to do it against than this one right here. Hmm. Okay. I was going to say offensive line. That's too similar. So that's a good one. Um, I'll go coaching matchup. Mm. We'll see what Matt Wells is made of. I think, again, I think he's kind of bunkered a little bit right now, and things are working against him. This is a, a tough situation to come here that your quarterback, your running back, your safety, your corner, and kind of embarrassed. I get that. But can he get his team up and go? Because he's 2-0 and against West Virginia. He can very easily show them, hey, we've beaten these guys before. Uh, and then Brown, you know, how does Brown get into a lead? What does he do with a lead? What does he do in that second half? Um, there, there's going to be some hot stove for him in that second half. If they have a lead, do you go for it or do you play your game? You know, will he touch that burner? We'll see. Um, I, I think that you look at some of the fourth down numbers. That's interesting too. If you look at ways that teams have picked apart Texas Tech, that may be what West Virginia wants to do. But also, hey, there are some openings and some matchups you could exploit in that secondary. Um, again, does he touch that burner? We'll see. But can can Matt Wells get out of the bunker, play well, win a game on the road where he's done that before? Can Neil Brown, I don't know what to say. Can Neil Brown coach with Neil Brown? I don't know. That's a hard way to put it. But what I mean is, you know, he's he's got some things that he wants to rearrange. He also has some things that his team does very well. How does he manage? Um, I don't want to say conflicting forces, but, you know, kind of things that don't necessarily align right now. Wants to be better offensively, but he's probably better off following his defense, especially against a team that's as offensively uh, prolific as Texas Tech can be. So um, I'm going to go coaching matchup there. I, I like your answer, though. I think it's one thing they got to get going. Offensive line is Letty Brown, vice versa. Um, but, yeah, maybe they coach that up, too. Maybe maybe one can't stop the other here. We'll see. I want something I got. I've been – I was doing this on the fly here, some of this other advanced stats with, with Letty's running and which direction. Would you like to take a guess at on – let's see, for the year – Letty Brown has run 10 times outside of left guard. On those 10 carries, would you like to guess how many yards he was able to run before he had to break a tackle? Is Combined. it a positive number? It is a positive number, but just yeah. barely. Uh, like four? Yeah, so 10, 10 times for six yards. before He's run 10 times for 37 yards. And 31 of those 37 yards have come after contact That's running tough. to the left. And that was his um, thing last year. Like, if he got free and he broke a tackle, he was going to be good. But he was having to break those tackles among linebackers and safeties. That's not the same now. Yeah. And 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 I, I dogged the run up the middle. I still hate it on first down. Hate it on first down. Um, he's going about four and a half yards before, on average, before first contact up the middle. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's really good. As I say, the right side's not great either. So let's not give the right side, uh, you know, uh, say it's all fine and dandy on the right. Um, you know, when I say middle, I'm talking middle left, middle right. So just off the center shoulder, but to the right of the guard, um, he had a total of what was it uh, 71 yards um, to the right, and 51 of them came after contact. So not great. No, as I say, his the initial point of contact when he first meets a defender is 0. 0.76, 0. 0.77 yards to the right before he sees a defender. So less than a yard to the left, 0. 0.19. I mean, it's basically the line of scrimmage is when he's meeting a defender. And, and then again, in the middle, you're getting about four and a half before he's having to break a tackle or make someone miss. So yeah, yeah. that's brutal. Do you work on that, or do you get away from that? We'll see. Yep. All right. Uh, schedule for the rest of the week, Chris. Might have some basketball. Seems like we have a little bit going on. Um, and then our normal shenanigans leading up to kickoff. Yeah, and we'll have, uh, I think, our normal shenanigans with uh, charity bets. We got to get back on the on the, uh, oh. on, on the good side, Mike. I think, I think we're getting a little too... A little too uh, risky there. We we had that first week where we more than doubled our money and have now lost three straight weeks. So we gotta gotta get back in the black here. Um, Can I just stop for a second? 
I'm pretty sure on my back in a hospital bed, I could have coached Liberty to a win against Syracuse. Friday night. <laughs> I was, I was extremely angry watching that and I had fake money on it. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't even bet on the game, but I'm just going, I can't believe I'm going to lose this. And then that was my only loser until I had again, what's up in North Carolina too. That's not very good. Um, yeah. Blew that one. That didn't seem like it was going to work out, but I was I was so mad because my betting weekend, my charity bet weekend, was over before it started, and I was just irate that Hugh Freeze is going to get a four million dollar contract from somebody this offseason too, and he couldn't beat Dino Babers. Dino Babers, with a lot of advantages built in, giving away fourth down conversions, not calling timeouts, it just seemed like not a great game. I I'm, I was pretty mad about that. I don't say this lightly, but I'm pretty sure I could have won that game. It's it's weird, isn't it? That like. With the fake fake money, not even real money on some of this stuff, almost seems to infuriate you more than like if there are actual money on it, or or if, I mean, if you just avoided it altogether, of course. But I I found that too, like over the first couple of years of doing this, that putting fake money, not even real money on 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 all these, I, I was still getting upset with how things were going. Couldn't believe some of the breaks. Um, again, we been putting some real money on some of these or variations of these. Obviously some of the lines differ a little bit. Um, and I've been keeping track for my own personal thing. I, again, I'm obviously following along with what we got here. So I'm basically even for the year, but yeah, the, uh, Liberty one and the Clemson one was just, uh, that one had me upset. Cause I went with the same route with you with a, like a five team teaser of 10 points. Mm-hmm. So, all Clemson had to do was win. And I was, I think my odds were like plus 385 or something like that on it for this five team. And it all came down. Everything else was not even a sweat that I had on that. And Clemson just had to win. Just win hmm. by one point. And couldn't do it. And I was like, it's not good. Not good. Not great, Chris. No. But we're gonna turn it around. We're gonna turn it around again. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to talk you down from a seventeen parlay, and uh, we'll we'll get back on the right track. I teased it. I thought everything was good. <laughs> hey, well, hey, my my part is already in the uh, you know the article manager that we both have access to, and you'll see that all three of my bets are teasers. So oh. I haven't got away from it, but at least I stuck with two teams. I'm just gonna go flip a coin. So mine will be in a couple of minutes. There you go. That's what I like to hear. Probably the best way. Well, until then, I am Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you next time.